to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Over the last several years, I have been studying and reading more and more about cognitive function, the way that we think and how best to accomplish the tasks that are before us and to decipher between the things that are most important and those that are not. I know this sounds really boring to the vast majority of people, but it's me. (laughs) In so doing, it's been interesting reading a lot about how hard it is for people to stop and to listen. Now, this is very vast and diverse. So in order for people to stop and to listen, it would, of course, mean that they are able to tune out a lot of the voices that are going on in our world and around us today. How hard is that? I mean, to sit down and to actually listen, it's why podcasts are on the rise. People can stop and they can listen just to that. They can tune everything else out. But maybe it's also that Podcasts, in addition to other things on social media, in addition to news and to TV and to friends and to relatives and our neighbors, our coworkers, all of those things are all voices that add to all of the noise that confuses and distracts us. It is hard to listen. It's hard to listen when you can consider not just the number of voices, as in the noise, but the number of ways, even just beyond the auditory, that visually we are distracted from flicker rates and, and scrolling, from whatever's flashing on a screen to the world around us, to being attracted to and distracted by whatever is attracting us on our phone. All of these things add to the, the noise and the distraction making it harder to listen. Add to this, or add add this to the former. How hard it is for people to stop and to listen to what the person across from them is saying. I talked to a counselor recently who was helping one of our members. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask is, how hard is it for people in your experience to listen, and how does that compare to years earlier? This man who's been doing this for a long time said, it's astonishing that we have gotten so much worse as a society at listening. And by listening, he meant absorbing what the person across from us is saying and gathering what they want us to hear, not just what we want to filter out. How hard is it for you to listen? When you consider the number of voices that are vying for your attention, the number of influences that are lobbying for your affection, how hard is it for you to listen, to know that you can set your presuppositions aside, your assumptions over to the side so that you can absorb whatever it is that the person in front of you wants you to hear, not just what you yourself want to hear, but what they want you to hear. How hard is it to listen? The more I think about that, study distractions, being effective and efficient, being emotionally present for the person who's talking to you, the more of a challenge I realize that is, not only for me, but for everybody. 
How good are you at listening? That's pretty important because what you get through your ears and your eyeballs, through your mind and from the world around you, doesn't just influence your mind or how effective you are. It has an influence on your soul. It influences the way that you not only think about your own identity, but also where you stand with God and the way that you think he thinks about your identity. See, the world not only gives us a lot of voices, a lot of those voices are none too helpful. And as a result, we can be led to think all of the wrong things. But that is precisely why the Savior who was crucified, died, and rose from the grave has something else to say. Even before he experienced the cross and the empty tomb, even before all that, he was already pointing to those very eternally changing things with words, words and works that influence us today that are meant to grab our ears and to reach out and absorb our attention and our affection, yes, not because he has his own agenda for us that serves only him, but because his agenda is always to love and serve us. Today, you and I are going to see through the gospel reading that I just shared from John chapter 10, that there is one voice worth listening to. One voice worth listening to. So Jesus is surrounded by a bunch of these Jewish leaders and these rabbis and teachers, and they want him to tell them plainly. They want Jesus to tell them plainly that he is the Messiah. Thing is, there was already plenty of proof. They just didn't believe it. By this time, Jesus had fed 5,000 families. He had walked on water and calmed storms. He had raised the dead and healed the sick. He had given sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. And this is but the tip of the iceberg. The things that we've seen, there are so many other miracles that are not even recorded in the Gospels that they would have not, that they would not only would have heard about, would have maybe even seen. So when they say, tell us plainly, you keep on keeping us in suspense. How long are you going to do this? Tell us plainly if you're the Messiah. There was plenty of proof. But here's the pretense. Why would they be asking that question anyways? Part of that might be because the temperature is turning up in their animosity towards Jesus. So they want him to be able to say that he's the Messiah so that they might have their own recourse after the fact. Are some of them curious Maybe. Or is it just that they're struggling with what their eyes and their ears are seeing and hearing and what Jesus is saying and the way that they perceive the entire world around them? And they demand more proof. T tell us plainly. I don't think they're the only ones that ever approach God that way. If only God would just t tell us plainly. To just show us. But, but what's the premise to that? The presupposition is that we can put the burden on God to prove to us that he is who he says he is. When all the while, what are we dismissing? The fact that he already has. If we would only listen to our shepherd's voice. I mean, listen to what he says and look at what he does. Listen to what our Savior says when he tells us certain things that are completely different, in fact, opposite from the world around us. We have a world that is vying for our attention. Why? So that, not so that it would serve us, but so that it would serve the world. 
You see, there's this little bait and switch that goes on when it comes to the news and things like social media, where we are led to believe that the more we are informed and the more we are connected and the more we are listening to these voices, the better we are, the smarter we are, the more informed we are and the better known our identity might be. And so there's a bait and switch. It makes it seem like we are the ones that are being served. We are the ones that are in control. And yet, when you think about it, the exact opposite is true. People are meant to become more reliant on the 24-hour news cycle. They are meant to be more utilized and used for commercialized purposes, more connected and attached and even addicted to their devices and to social media. We are learning this more and more with each passing year, if not each passing day. So too, with all of these voices in this world, we can summarize them in this way. They do not care about our souls. Not so our shepherd. Not so our shepherd. What does your savior, your shepherd say to you? He's not out to serve himself. He lays down his life for the sheep, for you. Identify one voice, one influencer in our world today that you have access to, either somebody you know personally or something that you have access to through social media or online or what have you. Name one that seeks to lay down their life for you. Go ahead. I can't think of one either. So then why do we listen? Why are we so attracted? Why would we bother to give our attention and yes, even our affection, not just our time, but the fact that they can, we would succumb to their influence? Why would we allow that when in the end, they don't have our best interest at heart. There's probably many reasons, but among those many reasons, there's at least this, this one. We like to believe that the world around us is going to give us a better reality here and now, and we would like God to be able to show that and to prove that to us right here and now too. And so we approach God similarly by saying, tell us plainly, just show us, just All the while, we're missing what our Savior has already said. We're missing what our Savior has already done. Consider another comparison between the disparaging difference between the way that our lives in this world communicate, the voices in this world that are vying for our attention, and the voice of our Good Shepherd. Voices in this world are after justice. It doesn't take long listening to the news. There's so many bad reports, one after the other. And what happens when there's a bad report, we need to identify somebody who is the culprit and we need to condemn them and also cancel them. Whether it means they get deleted from certain social media accounts and banned for life, or it means that we come up with a new hashtag that identifies where we stand, which is opposite from that person that we've now demonized. And there might be decent reasons for this, moral reasons for this, fine. But look behind the paradigm and what do we see? That each and every single person is after justice. And yet, look at the world around us and our society that loves justice and yet has zero understanding of forgiveness. Consider what it would mean for a moment if the world around us in our society came out with their social media pitchforks and torches and they came after you. Consider how this might work if there is absolutely no mercy and you're the one who's canceled for some reason. 
it's easy to hop on the bandwagon when it suits our own desires. But do we really think that the world is functioning properly? Our culture is working properly when it comes to things like justice. Compare that. That voice, all of those voices that seek to demonize, cancel, write off, no sense of mercy, no sense of forgiveness, and who knows who the next uh, culprit will be. Always looking for justice. Such an imbalance. Compare that to our Savior. You can't say that he doesn't want justice. The reason he came into this world was to lay down his life for all that was wrong. He would make himself the culprit even though there was no sin in his mouth and no shame on his record. He is the one who would point out to those people who were taking advantage to others, cursed are you. And yet he's also the one that would lay down his life in order to provide forgiveness because there's no other way. He does not have an imbalanced perception, persona, voice concerning justice. No, he cares about justice, but far from imbalanced, he also cares about mercy and forgiveness. Look no farther, not just in what he said, but in what he did when he laid down his life for all. You see, what makes the voice of our shepherd a voice worth listening to is not just what he says, and it is completely opposite from what is broken in this world the broken record of cursing, canceling, shaming, and hurting, vying for attention for seemingly serving service reasons when only it is self-seeking. Not only is our Savior's voice worth listening to when it comes to what he says, but also in what he does. He lays down his life for the sheep. That's completely different. So how easy is it to listen to a voice like that? Maybe I could even ask an even more daunting question. How are you doing? How's it going as you listen to your shepherd's voice? Is it easy to listen to the hard things that he says? The things that we don't like to hear? Is it easy to just tune it out? Is it easy to just find it inconsequential and you'll get to it another day? Is it easy to dismiss when there's so many other things that distract us? When people say, it's just been, I've just been so busy, what does that mean? Except there are so many voices that are succeeding at grabbing our attention at the expense of listening to our Savior's voice. But you know what? You know what the Savior says to you today? I know them. He says, the works I do in my father's name testify about me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. Look at what your savior did and know that all of this is for you to provide proof that he is the only one worth listening to. He called his shot that he would suffer and die, laying down his life as the sacrificial lamb and taking it up again as the victorious lamb, even the shepherd who guides all people to the eternal pastures of heaven. Yes, all of that is proof. It is the testimony that testifies to his claim to be the good shepherd. Yes, but the good news is that he didn't just do that for some. He does, he does that for you so that your, your shepherd would first of all say to you, I know you. He even knows you by name. 
There's that little kid song, I am Jesus, little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. For my shepherd gently guides me, knows my needs and well provides me, loves me every day the same, even calls me by my name. And we can fit our names in there because that is not just a little kid song. That is the song for every sheep who belongs to our shepherd. No matter if you're five, 35, 45, or 95 Write your name right in there. Your shepherd knows you and even calls you by name. So every time it's been hard to listen to your shepherd's voice, notice this. Has he gone quiet? Has he just kicked you out of the pasture, out of his flock and removed his voice from you? Even right here and now, aren't we able to gather around God's word? Even in this unique way? What does that say about a shepherd who always, always, always is near? who holds us so close and dear, always brings us to new pastures. There's no grass that is greener on the other side. He loves us and even calls us by name. I know them and they follow me. You see, with how hard is it to listen? I was was, in some of the reading I mentioned earlier, I've found that there are some people who want to engage in this deep cognitive effort, whatever it is, whether they're physicians or writers or what have you. And in order to do so, they put themselves in a setting where there's no noise. Maybe there's a view. Maybe there's a cottage. It's a closet that becomes a glorified office. Maybe it's another office. I actually know of a couple guys here in town who have a secret office. They have an office space, but they actually rent another office space. So they disappear and they go to work at this other place when they turn their phone off. And they say that they are so much more effective and efficient when they do that. Why? Tuning out all the noises. That's the way we're meant to function. We talk about multitasking, right? Like we could do multiple tasks at once. Actually, there's no such thing as multitasking. There's just doing a halfway decent job at doing a couple things halfway decently. Rather, we're meant to think and focus better on one thing at a time. And we can do that much more effectively and efficiently with a better product. This is actually proven throughout time. So too, whether a person is getting away to a cottage and turning off all electricity and just only writing by candlelight, or a person has a secret office where they turn off their phone, or another person gets away for a while so that they can focus just on one thing. Don't all of these things tell us one thing among many, but one thing we need to be alone. We need to be alone with our shepherd for he is the only voice worth following, worth listening to. And he's therefore the only voice worth following, which means that we get to compare that with everything else in the world that is also vying for our attention. But in order to do that, it means we need to get alone with God and his word to make sure we are well equipped and acquainted with God's word. Think of what he says to you and the blessings that he gives to you as you follow him in a world that only ends in death, that never gives you anything beyond the grave. You have a savior who says to you, I am the resurrection and the life. You have a good shepherd who says to you, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my father's hand. Amid a world that is threatening us, 
that is filled with dangers. You have a savior who says, I, I'm, I and the father are one and I bring you into my father's hand, into his fold. And there's nothing that can take you from that. Even making death just a blip in time as we will awake in eternal life and one day experience the resurrection on the last day. All of these blessings given to you in a world vying for our attention, yet making us feel so alone and afraid. We have a a shepherd who communicates through his voice, promises in his word like this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In a world that is filled with fear and anxiety, God calls out to his word. Our good shepherd says this, cast all your anxieties on me because I care for you. In a world where we feel like we're so disjointed and disconnected, God in his word promises things like this. Philippians 4, the Lord is near. Even Jesus, when he came into this world, defines himself as Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means God with us, never alone. Amid the disjointing and the disconnection, our God is always near. These are but a snippet of all of the ways and the words that God has communicated to us that all point to his ultimate works. A Savior who laid down his life to give us eternal life. And nothing can take that away. As you listen to your Savior's voice, know that there are many other things vying for your attention. Can you tune those out? It starts with getting alone with God in his word becoming well acquainted with your shepherd's voice and being able to hear when someone else is trying to speak to your soul, but they will never be able to give what your savior gives. It means tuning things out and yes, maybe even turning things off compared to what your savior says. Nothing is greater than your shepherd's voice. He is the one voice worth listening to. God grant us such ears and hearts. Amen.